0: And hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Word Alive broadcast. I'm your host, Mike Dobbs. And I want to thank each and every one of you for watching. We appreciate you making us a part of your day, part of your study routine. And uh, our audience is growing, and we're very thankful for that. And we're having people from all over the world that are beginning to watch our broadcast. And I guess that's the wonders of YouTube. And if the Lord tarries, we hope to do verse-by-verse commentary through the whole Bible, that will take a while. I hope we all live long enough for that. But anyway, uh, we're going to try. That is our goal. And so we've started in Genesis, and we are moving right along, talking about creation and talking about the Creator. And of course, it's obvious when you read the book of, of creation, when you read the book of Genesis, which is the book of creation, the book of beginnings, uh, you, you see right off the bat the handiwork of the Master God, of the Creator of the universe, of the Intelligent Designer. And we've been proving that, that when you read this, you understand it. And God is very specific. He uses specific words, as we've talked about before, to make it clear how things are going to be, how He is establishing His dominion, how He is establishing the animal kingdom, how he's establishing the earth and all that, it, however, it's going to work in the ecosystem of the world. And uh, for instance, he says in verse 24, where we're going to pick up in Genesis, the first chapter, in verse 24, and God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. I love the way the uh, Jewish Bible says it. It says, God said, let the earth bring forth each kind of living creature, each kind of livestock, crawling animal, and wild beast, and that's how it was. So God spoke it, and that's the way it happened. Now, understanding there's some very important factors in this verse, that God the Creator indicates, you know, He's the Creator, so He sets the parameters of how everything is going to operate, and the parameters that everything is going to operate in and he creates the physical laws that will govern this world that he is creating. And one of them is that an animal cannot move from one kind to the next. Neither can an animal breed with a different kind. So he, he sets those parameters. And so, uh, you know, evolution teaches that animals will move from one level to the next and they became a completely different kind of animal. And, of course, evolution, of course, is is a theory. And it hasn't been proven, never will be, because it's not based on fact. But science is proven, and we understand, because all we have to do is look at how it is now. That everything produces after its own kind. I mean, you wouldn't go out there and, and see a cow that is bringing birth and expect a horse. Because although they're very similar, they're very different. And the cow is a cow kind, and the horse is a horse kind and they can't they can't bring forth and move to another level. They can adapt as we've already said, and we won't dwell on that. but adaptation is simply when uh, say a wolf that moves to the arctic regions begins to slowly turn white over every generation that's born, that's adaptation. And so that can happen. God allowed that to happen. That's built into their instinct, and that's how God created us. But to move from a wolf to an elephant is not going to happen, never has happened, never will happen. And therefore, that's why they never can find the missing links, if you please. So God makes it very clear. God is God. And he says, it's going to be this way. Every living creature will bring forth after their kind. And then he specifies cattle and creeping thing. In other words, the cattle is not going to move into a creeping thing or become a creeping thing. The creeping thing is not going to become a cattle. It's not going to become a cow. He has it as it is. And he's speaking as each beast or creature or creation will stay within their kind. You know, I've been to the Ark a couple times, and that is an amazing thing. It's in Williamstown, Kentucky. In fact, this last time, uh, it was kind of neat because Mr. Ken Ham, which is the man who is the mastermind behind building the Ark, actually came to my table where I was eating, and we visited for a few moments. And that was a neat thing to be able to do that because I have tremendous admiration for this man simply because of his science and what he has studied. And one of the things that he has debated even leading uh, atheist scientists with, and I particularly believe he won, uh, but he was basically saying that the Ark had different kinds of animals. It had a cat kind, and a cow kind, and a horse kind. Could have had dinosaur kind on it, but they were the mother genus of the entire phyla which means that they were the beginning, and and from everything from that cat kind came all the cats. From that dog canine kind came all the uh, the dogs. Not different creatures. They have one kind, but different variations and adaptations. And so when I go through the ark, I see that, and that to me is so amazing because I really feel like that answers a lot of questions to science. And this is the beginning of the sixth day, which is also very significant, because this is the day when God is going to create his best kind, his masterpiece, which is mankind. Day six, we're looking at the word or the letter Vav in the Hebrew language. There are no numbers in Hebrew, so we have letters, alphabet letters, and so the letters Vav is the is the letter for six. It is the number for six in the Hebrew language. And so uh, Vav, every letter in the Hebrew alphabet, has a definition. So Vav has a definition. The number six has a definition. And it means the symbol of achievement or preservation or transformation. Uh, Jehovah God completed the creation in the earth in six days. He transformed the chaos of dark and void into the beautiful planet of light, balance, and perfection. Six is known as the number of man. God's number of perfection is seven. And because mortal man always falls short, the best man can do is six until he meets the one and then he becomes a seven. Perfect man. Renowned men who have stood out in defiance of God, for example, uh, Goliath, Nebuchadnezzar, and the Antichrist are all emphatically marked by this number six. Goliath's... uh, Height was described as six cubits and a span. He had six toes on each foot, six fingers on each hand. Nebuchadnezzar's image of idolatry had the breadth of six cubits, as the number is prophesied. Antichrist will have a series of three sixes, probably three six-digit numbers. Athaliah usurped the throne, of Judah for six years and on the seventh year her grandson who had been hid away captive came to the throne and took the throne away from his grandmother God's work six days to prepare the realm of man and according to his plan man will live on the earth for a period of six thousand years The achievement of the Word of God is to redeem, preserve, and transform. So God sent His Word to redeem, preserve, and transform man and make him into His image, and that is a six becoming a seven. The achievement of the Word of God is working on us to change us from the lowly creature that we are into the image of Christ, a Spirit-filled believer filled with God's power and authority Vav symbolizes the complete purpose of human existence, to bring man back into a state of becoming the residence of God. And of course, Vav's numerical value is six. Now, this brings a whole purpose to mankind. You know, there's so many people that say, ''Why am I here? And what is my purpose?'' And that is a sad thing about people who do not believe there is a God. Because if there is no God, then you're just an organic creature. You're just something that happened with no real purpose and no real destiny. And so we're just all living creatures bundled up here on this planet that just happened. So we have no eternal purpose. We have no hope of eternity. We have no hope of existence after this world. What a sad existence. But when you believe there's a God, then it makes human life valuable. It makes human life precious. That's why abortion is murder. It's because God is the creator of all life and man does not have the right to take it. And so when you begin to put God into the factor, now man has meaning. Now man has value. Now human life is precious. Now there are principles to live by, and there are things that we must do to be obedient to the God that created this world. Now we have a book, and that book is the owner's manual that was written by the Creator to show us how to live our life, not because He wants to control our life, but because it will help us reach our destiny. And what is the destiny of all men? We all have a common destiny, and that is to go from being fallen man to elevated man filled with the Spirit of God and made into the image of Jesus Christ, to be the image of God upon the earth. So God fills us with the Holy Ghost, which downloads his DNA into us. And then slowly the teacher, the comforter, the paraclete, the one that stands beside us and inside us, begins to change our nature, begins to infuse the nature of God, begins to make us more and more like Him. Not more religious, but by relationship, more like Him. Where we begin to think like Him. We begin to talk like Him. We begin to have the same values that He has. We begin to have the same attributes that He has. That is what God intended man to be. And so I believe Adam was created perfect. I believe that he was created intelligent. I believe he was created with the language. This man was brilliant, and God would come and visit with him in the cool of the evening. They would fellowship, and God would teach him God's stuff so that he could be like God. That was the nature. That was the purpose. That's the whole bottom line. And when you take God out of the equation, you reduce man to an animal. You reduce man to no purpose, no benefit, and really no reason to be here. I'm so glad that whenever I received the Holy Ghost and began to live for God at 11 years old, that began to fashion my life into a direction of purpose and value. And I began to see that I was of value to Him because I was His Son, and that He was filling me with His Spirit to make me more like the Son, and that I would be able to operate as His Son upon the earth as an ambassador of Christ, a representative of the God Almighty, as He began to infuse His nature into me and make me more like Him. Now, I know I haven't arrived, and I'm not even going to sit here and pretend that I am like God. But I will say this, from the time that I was 11 to time now, I think a lot more like Him. I I understand a little bit more about Him. I know what He likes. I know what He doesn't like because the book... Book tells us that and so I can say I know God in a particular way not as much as I want to but as much as I can at this point and I intend to know him even greater that is my purpose and pursuit I'm on a quest I want to know him I want to be like him I want to love what he loves I want to hate what he hates I want to pursue what he pursues and I want to run from whatever he despises why because he he lives in me and he's imputing, and he's imparting, and he is downloading his nature into me to make me like him. That was the purpose of Adam and Eve when God created them and put them in the garden. That is a wonderful, royal purpose. And so when we read this, we understand the the, the purpose of what God was doing. Um, the key words in this verse, of course, after his kind, the word is mean, M-I-Y-N, mean. It means to portion out or to sort out, or it means a species. So in other words, you can't move from one species to the next. You have to stay within your own species. We see that law. We understand that law. Biology teaches us that law, and there's no way to change that law. And any kind of theory that teaches otherwise is nothing more than a theory that cannot be proven by natural science. The word cattle. Actually, God using this word cattle is not just talking about cows, but he is talking about a beast. He's talking about a quadruped. So when he says cattle, the word there is behemoth, and like we get the word behemoth, Behema in the Hebrew literally means a beast, a quadruped, an animal on four legs. So we could be talking about horses, we could talk about cows, we could talk about, he's just talking about beast. And he's saying each one of these beasts have their own kind, cattle kind, horse kind, uh, gorilla kind, um, elephant kind, giraffe kind, everybody, everyone has their own kind and that's what he's specifying here and then creeping things usually when you see the word creeping things the term it is ramus and ramus in the hebrew means a reptile or an, an a rapidly moving animal uh, other than a rapidly moving animal a slow moving animal one that gropes and so when you look at this you can see that he's talking about reptiles now think about reptiles they never stop growing so if a reptile lives a long time it can get to a very large size So the possibility of dinosaurs is not completely uh, erroneous. I know some preachers say, well, there's no such thing as dinosaurs. Kind of hard to say that when we're finding bones in the ground. Now, we don't know exactly what time they did exist, but it is, And, and we've also found the footprints of dinosaurs and man side by side where they had passed by the same path, hopefully not at the same time, unless the dinosaur was vegetarian. But we have found those things to prove that there was dinosaurs, they did exist. And there could have been some on the ark, as uh, as Mr. Ken Ham espouses to that theory. Now, in verse 25, the Bible says, And God made the beast of the earth after his kind. Why is he stressing this? Because he knew that some people would come up with this erroneous doctrine that that a monkey became a man. God said, that don't work. uh, That is against my law. I will not allow it. It didn't happen. It never happened. It can't happen, and it won't happen. Why? Because God said. (laughs) And so he says, after his kind, cattle after their kind, cattle being all quadrupeds, uh, four-footed beasts, and everything that creepeth, there's that creeping thing again, creepeth upon the earth after his kind, all the reptiles after their kind. And God saw... That it was good. Now, when God says something is good, it means that it meets his expectations. It's according to his plan. It's according to the master design that he already has thought of and put to place. And what he's doing when he says something is good, he's taking what he has spoken and comparing it to what he was thinking. And if they are the same, it is good. So that's what God does. He is approving his work. According to his plan now if God follows his plan who are we to think we can't or we won't if we're going to be obedient We must follow his plan because even God followed his plan and so as we study we'll see that in the exegesis of this verse Uh, The Bible says, And God made, or Elohim, worked the beast of living beings on the earth after his kind and species, and cattle after their kind in species, and everything that creepeth creeper upon the earth, soil after his kind in species. And God, Elohim, saw that it was acceptable to him. So God is saying, Okay, this is what I had in mind. This is what I'm going to do. And then when he had done it, He said, okay, this is just what I was thinking. This is just the way I wanted it. This is good. Remember that God cannot do anything but good. That's all He is. He is good. I was in an airport one time, uh, several, it's been over a year ago now, and I was just sitting in the airport, and, and I was talking to the Lord. I know people might have thought I was crazy, but I've, I'm like, God, you're so wonderful. You're, you've just been so good to me. And the favor of God in my life has just been so amazing, and I'm not worthy of, not a day of it. But as I was there, the Lord said, no, no, I'm just good. I heard his voice. I, you know, you hear that still, small voice. It's the Holy Ghost that lives within you. I'm glad that I serve a God that talks. And, uh, you know, because the enemy does. I mean, everybody's talking about the enemy said this. and the enemy. Well, if the enemy can talk, God can. And you need to tune into his voice and hear what he has to say. And that may require you to take your headsets off and get quiet. It may require you to turn your radio down, your television off, or your computer, and get quiet with God and let him talk to you because he does talk. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm just good. I'm not good to you. I'm just good. And I said, well, God, I'm not going to argue with that because you don't argue with God. I said, well, I, I, I know, but, but you've been really good to me. And he said, no, if you have any dealings with me at all, I am good. That's all I can be. I am good manifested in light and power and energy. I am goodness. And so when you deal with me, it is good. Now you say, well, if he's so good, then how come there's people starving? How come there's there's terrible things that are happening in the earth? And the answer to that question is, he is so good that he will not force himself in any situation on any human being or in any someone's life. So the good God stands back and says, if you will let me be good, if you will let me be God, then I can help you with this. And so the reason people do not have food is because he's not being allowed in their system. He's not being allowed to be their God. You know, he told Israel one time, he said, okay, go ahead. You want to serve the other gods of the, of the countries around you? You do that. But when the enemy comes through your gates, who's going to stop them? I'm I'm not going to be there because if you're not going to allow me to be in your life and if you're not going to be obedient to me and and be my people then I am not going to be your God and if I'm not your God then you better find one and you can't because there's only one God in the earth and in heaven and that is the man Christ Jesus that was the manifested God on earth you see God Almighty is one God, the only God, the living God, and there is no other God. That's by his own testimony. And so, you know, I was saying, God, you're so good. He said, no, I'm just good. That's the way I am. If you have any dealings with me, if you allow me in your life, I will bring goodness into your life. I will bring uh, happiness into your life. I will bring fulfillment into your life. I will bring purpose into your life. If you just let me in, I will help you. I will be a benefit to you. I will, I will show you what happiness really is. I'll show you what real purpose really is. And until humans find God, there's this emptiness in them that they try to fill with everything else, trying to fill that void in them that was meant only for God. And when until you come to that place where you're willing to let Him fill that void, then you're not going to be happy. You'll never find happiness in just a human being. Uh, You think, well, if I could just find the right person, I'd be happy. But you know as well as I do that because we're both temperamental, there'll be some days when you're not happy. There'll be some days when they fall short of your expectations. There'll be times whenever uh, you're, you're having arguments and misunderstandings because you're two different people from two different ways of life. But God is perfect. God is always the same. God never has a bad day. God isn't moody. You're never going to find him too busy for you because he is good. And you know, when he said, okay, I'm looking at my plan and I'm comparing it here and it really does look good because it's the way I want it. It's the way I planned it. It's just the way I desired it to be, so it's good. In verse 26, and we'll just touch on this, the Bible says, And God said, 'Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And this verse has been argued, it's been, there's been conjectures made about this verse, uh, some sur- surmising things about this verse. What was he saying when he said, let us make man in our image? Well, the truth of the matter is, God made man, but then he came robed in flesh as Jesus Christ and made man saved and perfect. He gave man purpose. So through the efforts of the Creator God who made us, And through the efforts of that same God robed in flesh as Savior who saved us, He can make us into His image. And there's a great subject that we're going to talk about uh, in our next broadcast. But let me just thank each and every one of you. Those that support us on Patreon, you can see the link there on the page. And you can go and support us monthly to help us pay for the expenses of this broadcast as we travel. And uh, all of the things that we're doing. In fact, uh, we'll be showing you some footage from uh, Switzerland in the next broadcast. I just got back from Switzerland, and uh, and it was a great meeting. And I'll tell you uh, what God did there and how good it was, how God did good things, because that's all he knows how to do. Uh, We'll be sharing that with you in the next broadcast and showing you some pictures of Switzerland, including the Matterhorn, which was really amazing. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. God bless you. We're doing all we can to make the Word come alive to you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Word Alive broadcast. If you enjoyed the video, please give it a thumbs up and consider subscribing to our channel. Once you've subscribed, make sure to click on the notification bell so that you'll be notified each time a new episode is released. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by checking out our Patreon page and signing up for one of the provided monthly tiers. A link to our Patreon page can be found down in the description. God bless you and we'll see you next time as we continue to make the word come alive to you.